You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. So this is the, uh, some different Torah, Le'ili Nishmas, Rav Yudah Herzl Hankin, who passed away last week. I'm going to, um, first to get you a sense of who he was. This was Rav Hankin's first Tshuva Sefer, called Tshuvas B'nai Bonim. And B'nai Bonim, of course, is a remise to his grandfather, B'nai Bonim Harayin Kibonim. Now, he was born in 1945, and this was printed in 1981. So he was uh, not yet 40 years old. He was um, 36 years old when this first Sefer was printed. Um and you can see that his father and Ili Nishmas Yudah Herzl then Rabbi Avram Hillel Henkin, and he had he made Aliyah to Bikat Beitshan. Um, in 1981, Baruch Hashem, you can see um, that um, he has Askamas here. It's actually 1980, but you can see Askamas who he has here from Ramosha Feinstein. So as you can see here, Rav Moshe, um this was in 1980 that Rav Moshe wrote his Askama. I want to show you what Rav Moshe wrote. He calls him. Remember, he was 35 at that point. The grandson of my good friend who I loved, Hagoin, the great genius Rabbi Yosef Elio Henken, Zecher Tzadik Levrocho. He says, it's hard for me about things that you're poskening, Rav Moshe Feinstein wrote, to give askama. You know, you can't expect Rav Moshe to go through all the details that Rav Hankin was trying to explain and say, oh, I agree. Yeah, this is a good safer. This is good halacha. Mikomakom. Hikarti, one thing I do see from these, from what has been presented in front of me, that this man, Yorad Adinim, he didn't just do things superficial. Rav Moshe said, I can see he explored these subjects in depth. Bibikius Vicharifus. There's a combination here of depth, expertise, and sharpness, and what we would call, if not brilliance, but at least quick, like smart, intelligent, um, things you wouldn't necessarily anticipate. And it's going to be a glorious thing to his very um, aristocratic and important family. And it's B'nai Taira should learn this Sefer to look at it. And enjoy it. 
and see how wonderful it is. And he says, So that's a pretty nice haskoma for a 35-year-old to receive from the Godel Ador, from the Godel and Posek Ador. Um, the, um, so that is the, uh, uh, tells you at least that this was a, a safer that's worthwhile. I just want to read you one other um, Haskama. We know in Eretz Yisrael, one of the great postkim was Rav Waldenberg, the Tzitz Eliezer, who was one of the great postkim of Yerushalayim. Um, and um, as you can see over here, that uh, he was the Av Bezdin for all local rabbis in Eretz Yisrael. Av Bezdin Harabani Azori. In other words, so all these areas would have like these local rabbis. He was the rabbi that everybody went to as the ultimate authority, Rav Waldenberg. Um, and Rav, Rav, uh, Rav Waldenberg said about him in around 1980, he calls him Gon Anela, a genius. Uh, a, a a person of high standards, person who's a, a a person of great great. I don't know how do you even translate it well? Hanala, someone who's really uh, an above and beyond most people. And he says he gave me the sefer called Bnei Bonim, and I see I see that he knows how to do it. He goes deep into what halacha should be. And he comes out with jewels, with brilliant things, like a person who's a deep sea diver. That's Rav Waldenberg's marshal. He goes deep into the sea and he finds these incredible, wonderful pearls that can now be put on Shulchan Mulachim. And it's just icing on the cake that he is a grandson of Osagon Vitzadik, Agon Rabbi Yosef Elio And therefore, it just makes it even sweeter. Um, so, as you can see, that um, Rav Waldenberg says that he, this, this safer is definitely worthwhile. Moshe, not to leave you out, let's see what Chacham Avadia wrote to this this 35-year-old young man, really. So look look what Chacham Avadia writes to Rav Henkin. Uh, and this again was actually 1979. So let's see what he wrote. He says, He's a in Boki. His learning is pure and clear. Banan Shul Kedoshim, Kavod Shmot Arosai, Marein Rav Yudah Herzlhenken. Harenim Asher Kaboas Gilyonis Avgat Yosefer. Ayanti Behem Kemisas Apnai. When I had some time out, Rav didn't have much extra time, but when I had a little bit of time, I looked at them. Venochachti Kikabir Motzayodoi. 
I see that you were you 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 were able to do a tremendous amount. I see that you're able to really develop and get involved and to and to and to navigate and to think and and, and respond in a very smart way in Shas and Paiskim Rishonim and Machreinim, and you found old ones and new ones, and you're able to come up with Shmaita Aliba Deilchasa. Now he does say, like all the other, the other two Rabbonim, that uh, they're, they're very tied down with a lot of things. But he says, maybe in the future. And I would say that this is obviously his first work. And you can see that it would be wrong to label him just this modern Orthodox rabbi that Paskin for for you know for the Mizrachiniks. You can see that the some of the three biggest names almost in Psak Halocha in the latter part of the twentieth century, Rav Moshe, Chochamavadia, Tzitzeliezer, I mean there's also Manasha Rav Manasha Klein and others. But he has almost the biggest Paiskim who were who were very, very well known. Um so I, <laughs> here's Rav Mordechai Elihu, who was the Rishon Lutzion, uh, as well, uh, saying about him that, and he can see that, Kol, he says, Kol Roz he finds everything. And the Bikiyas that he has is astonishing, his expertise. Havana Yeshorah. Ashriya Om how happy, how, not happy, how, how, it's so wonderful that our, our nation, Rav Mordechai Eliyu says, has Rav Hankin. Um, so, I think that this shows you what it is that we lost. Some of the greatest Rabbanim and Poskim of the 20th century looked at this man's work and saw it to be very significant. So here is a um, a tshuva that that Rav Hankin Zochen wrote in 1978, and the question had to do with halbonus ponim. We know the Gemara does say that it's as if you killed a person if you embarrass him in public. Does that really mean you should be willing to die? I mean, we know we learn out from Tamar that she was going to go to her death and not embarrass her father-in-law. But is it actual halacha this concept, this that you would actually should give up your life rather than embarrassing someone? Now, Rav Hankin starts... And he says, I know, Rabbi, you quoted me this Gemara. That's a Gemara and so to Dafyud, many other places. Now, the Meiri, writing that Gemara, uses a term, meaning sort of like an exaggeration. In other words, it doesn't really mean you should give up your life and not embarrass someone, but it's showing you how important it is. Rav Hankin then found 
the Meiri quoting this Gemara in Brachos, Daf Mem Gimel. Which means where it says, the Meiri uses the term Derech Tzachos, meaning it's a very, not literal way to say it. It doesn't literally mean it, but it's it, it sounds good when you hear it. But it doesn't mean literally you should die rather than embarrass someone. The rabbi said, besides the Meiri, the rabbi who Rav Hankin was writing to, everyone else learns this Gemara Kipshuto, that you should, this is one of the three Averis Hamuras. Um, if you take a look at Fomazam and Orebach, writing in the Torah journal, Moriah um, also writes about this. But I will But it's not true that that only the Meiri says it's not Pshat. Besides the Meiri, the Sefer Achinuch also writes that it's called Derach Ashara. There's also, if you take a look at in the tour, in this in the Balaturim on the Torah, he brings from this is not the the this is the, the safer the tour wrote his parish on the Torah. He brings from Rabbiuda Chosid. And what is what is what does he say there? That they weren't going to kill Tamar. What were they going to do? They were going to do what they do to whores. They were going to mark her face up. But it wasn't like she was going to die from what they were doing. That's what they were trying to do. They were trying to like put the scarlet A, like they were going to, to mark her. And, and we, we actually do find that. I'm sure, Dr. Kogan, you've heard about this, that there is a history of, of in the Middle Ages, of treating wanton women in a certain way and there's 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 truvis about there's that we see in certain communities they cut their noses off or they they defigured them. Yep. So so this is what they were going. They weren't trying to kill Tamar. Um it, it, the um now the the safe from Menorah Samaor from Rabbi Stroll El Kana. Uh, uh Rabbi, Rabbi Yes. I have a little bit of a problem with the um, with the with the whole pasuk there, because we know that prostitution was prohibited at uh, you know at Har Sinai. Before that, it was a standard. That's what I learned. It was a standard uh, a part of life. In other words, women did that, and it was okay for a woman to a man to approach a woman, pay her, and uh, you know uh, okay. be intimate with her. So uh, the fact that she would be shamed, maybe there was some other things involved there. Maybe oh, we, no, no, but we, okay. So you're asking good, but we know from the pasuk, the pasuk in in uh, Parshas of uh, says, "By you, God, Zun zon satomar kalasecha." That your daughter-in-law, who was supposed to be waiting, this was the Hanhoga, that she would be waiting for Shayla to become an adult, to live with her, because mm-hmm. they were practicing a form of the Leveret marriage. Right. So clearly, she has, has this child out of wedlock. But Yomer Yehuda, 
take her out and let her be burnt. Now, here mm. is where Rabbi Yudah says this means to give her the mark of the whore. Okay? Ah. So, all right. Now, so let me... The brand. So let me respond first of all. The fact was she wasn't considered a, 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 a... In other words, there were women, as you can see, that were whores. Obviously, Yehuda himself slept with one, according to his mind, right? Right, As right. you can see, by, right, as you can see over here, Vatesh v'pesach enayim, ki rosa ki godosheva, v'yechshava lezona, and chavano avoleilayach, right? And he says, right. let me sleep with you. So obviously, Yehuda knew and it was it was practice. You're correct that you are allowed. There were women who dedicated themselves to pleasuring men or giving men, and and that was within the law mm-hmm. of that time. Right. But you had women who were supposedly waiting to be married, or a woman who was married. She was that was considered a, a semi adulterous act. Got it. So that's <laughs> the reason why she was going to be branded. So anyway, the point is, is that the Gemara learns out that Tamar, of course, could have say, could have just said, hey, I'm not pregnant. I'm pregnant to Yehuda. But she didn't want to embarrass him and describe the fact of everything that occurred. So that tells you, would seemingly, that you should die rather than embarrass someone. Got it. Burn out from Tamar. Okay. Uh-huh. Thank you. So. So that is the Limud from Tamar. So now, if we take a look at the Tshuva, he says the Menorah Samaor on that uh, says, what does it mean? It says, Tovlo Lehareg. Tovlo Lehareg is not Noachlo. It's almost like it's better to die. It doesn't say you should fall into a Kibshanesh. So because of that, um, not Noach Lola Adam, not like Rabbeinu Yonah that says his gears was La Yapil. So here you see Rav Hankin's research. Rav Hankin took a statement and he analyzes it and shows you that it really depends on what your text is. That many people who quote this do not quote it as strongly as Rabbeinu Yonah. Rabbeinu Yonah says, Lo'olam yapil, which is different than even the Gemara, where the Gemara says, Noach lo'odam. Lo'olam yapil means you should always die. Noach lo means it might be better. Tov lo means, you know what, in some way it's better like Charles, like um, was Sidney Carton in, uh, in A Tale of Two Cities. It's a far, far better thing I do, right? right? That's what he says. So, you don't have to die. Sidney Carton exchanges places with, uh, if you know, in Tale of Two Cities, he exchanges places with Charles Darney. And he goes and he lets himself get killed in order for this woman to be able to be married to this guy. You don't have to do it. It's Hasidus to do it. So therefore, Rav Hankin says, it's not just the Me'iri, it's for Rishonim. In fact, it's only Rabbeinu Yonah and Shari Tshuva. And there is a sefer called Oil Moed, 
And we know that that author also lived in the same city that Rabiono. Now, as you know, Dr. Kogan and others, he was he was from Garona, Garandi. So right. it happens to be that if you take a look in the Sefer, O.L. Moed was also written by an author who was influenced, this is what Rav Hankin is saying, was influenced by the great pietist from Garona. And that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons why that he uh, parrots that statement as if you, it literally means you should give up your life rather than embarrass someone. Now, um, now, Tosis says something over there. Now, you learn the Tosis to say in Sota that it's Yarg Valyavar. However, if you look at the Sefer of the Nitziv on the Gemara, he points out that the way the Nitziv learns the Tosvos, he doesn't say that it's really Yarg Valyavor. Not only the Nitziv learns that way in the Tosvos, but also one of the great Ameri- North American geniuses, Rabbi Avram Price, who uh, many people thought was one of the most brilliant uh, European uh, Jews to come across over to North America. Um, in his Sefer, on the Sefer Chesidim, also says the Tosus does not mean um, that you should actually die. Anyway. So therefore, according to the Nitziv and according to Rabbi Price, Rav Hankin says, we know the, the prima godim, Rabbi Yosef Tumim, asks on Tosfos that if Tosfos is right, that Halbonas Ponim is Yarg Valyavor, why is it never mentioned of the three Averis that you have to give up your life for? Rav Hankin says, when he looked in the famous Encyclopedia Talmudis, he saw that the Encyclopedia Talmudis, whoever wrote that, um, and, and unfortunately, we don't know who wrote all the um, articles in the Encyclopedia. They don't, they don't write their initials by them. And I don't know why Reb Zevin, who was the chief editor, wanted that. But whoever it was that wrote the article on Abizrayu, which means things that are, that are connected to the three Averos, they quote Tosfus to assume that it is one that, that that you would die uh for for not embarrassing someone now does that mean that not embarrassing someone isn't oser of course it's oser of course there's a source in the torah and where do you know that from from losisa of chet that you aren't supposed to, when you, what does it say? When you give someone Musr. When you give somebody Musr, give him Musr. But don't let him be embarrassed by what you're saying. 
say it in a way that's soft. We talked about Rav Gedalia Schwartz's quote of Rav Chaim Voloshner about how you're supposed to give Teichocho last week. So the point is, you see from that Pasik, Losisa Lovchet means that don't you do an Avera by embarrassing him in the way you're talking him, telling him not to do something. So you see from there, it's a chet to embarrass someone and, and point out his Avera in a bad way. That's the Isser of making a person's face turn white in embarrassment. So that's the law of the Torah. He says the Rambam mentions it in the Sefer HaMitzvos as one of the, right? Now, what is it that Tosfus means when he says that it's not Mefurish in the Torah? Because Tosfus says the reason why it's not mentioned with the Gimel Averis Chamuros is because it's not Mefurish in the Torah. So, Rav Henkin says that just means it is in the Torah. It just means you don't see in the Torah that this Avera you should die for. Whereas the other three Averos, we either know them from a Pasik, Ritzicha, of course, Gili Arias, Ritzicha from Logic, Gili Arias from the Pasik, Avodazara also from the Pasik. In fact, what Tosis means is, is that when it comes to embarrassing someone, you probably would have thought that, look, better I should embarrass you once than I should die. However, um, when Tosis talks about it as being so homer, it's like Rav Price and the Nitziv say, because Tosfus holds a person has a right to be a chosid and to give up his life on things that you usually do not have to give up your life for. That's Tosfus Ishita when it comes to Avodah and other things, even if nobody knows about it or it's not, or, or whatever the situation, whatever mitzvah it is. And you have a right, even if it's not public, you have a right to say, I want to give up my life. So that's why Tosfus says that a person can give up his life and be a chosid, even not to embarrass someone. But not that Tosfus holds that it's a chiv. I think you see already here what Rav Moshe and Chacham Avadia and Rav Waldenberg were talking about. I think you see a very careful thinker, a man in his, a man who's in his early thirties, but he doesn't write like a young guy in his early thirties. And as you can see at the end over here, as he writes. So therefore, um, as bad as it is, of course, um, we have to realize, you know, we can't make into something more than it is. And just one more thing over here. 
Afshi Yehuda Choshav Shekola Oimdim Shom Yodu Shekavonu Uelov, Mikol Mokom, Efshir Shalei Kulam, Hikir Chais Mosei. What Tamar did, she says, whoever owns this, he's the one who made me pregnant. Yehuda might have thought that everybody knew it was him, but maybe people didn't know what Yehuda's seal looked like. Of course, had she said something, Rev. Hankin says, then everybody would have known Yehuda had done it. So that's the proof. The proof is that she did not say Yehuda's name specifically. And there you see how much of a tzaddeka she was, according to Taylor. Not that you're mechuyev to do that at all. So no one is, is so Rav Hankin here is not suggesting that we should go around embarrassing people. It is a terrible thing. But we need to keep it in context and realize, yes, there are people who consider it as if you should die for it. And Rabbeinu Yonah makes sense. He was a pietist. That's what he thought. But the greater consensus of halachic thinking is that this is not something that you would give up your life for. The logic actually goes the other way. You should never be put into such situations. And Rav Hankin was not someone who believed you should be Malbin people, but Rabin. But we have to keep things in perspective and realize that sometimes the statement isn't meant to be taken literally. In fact, it wasn't even written literally, according to that. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.